0: The scripture reading today, if you'd like to read along with me, is Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: Thank you, Brian and let us pray God I ask that wherever we are right now that your holy spirit would be present to us that we would that you would you would help open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear from you right now this Incredibly good news about Jesus raising into new life. And I pray that you would be with the words I speak, the words that are heard, that you, God, would use them as you please in our lives for the good of the kingdom, and for the sake of your name. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I wonder if you have ever given any thought to what you want at your funeral. What songs, what poems, what scriptures read, who you want to speak at your funeral. It's an important thing to think through. And a gift you can give to those you love, to your family. Last fall, uh, we, we lost one of our dear friends, Steve Holm. Yesterday, I I called and I spoke with Debbie, his wife, and Jules as well, as they were together. I wanted to make sure that I could have their blessing to tell the story. And so we we had um, some fun with this story, and they were happy for me to share it. Last fall, I'm sitting in my office with Debbie and a couple of the kids as we're planning Steve's funeral. And at one point, Jules, who I think was kind of the spokesperson for this request, says to me, "Uh, Pastor Abe, we have kind of a a strange request and we're not sure how you're going to feel about it. I'm thinking to myself, here we go. And she says, my dad had a song that was really important to him. And when we get to the point in the funeral, after you're done with the benediction, and the pallbearers are around Dad's casket, and we're just about to escort him out for the last time, we would like this song played. And the song is The Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> Do you know that song? The Eye of the Tiger. Bumch. Bom bom bom, bom bom bom, bom bom That one. I hope you have, are at eleven because that was the best I have right there. And I'll spare you the rest. Usually at this point is when I get dancing to that song. You know, a lot of punches. So this is you know sinking in here as we're planning this funeral. And I looked to to Debbie and I, I asked her, is this what Steve wanted? And to a person, everyone in the room was nodding their head, yep, yep, this is what he wanted. And so I turned back to Jules and I said, we will absolutely play the eye of the tiger at the end of the funeral. And that's exactly what we did. The funeral had, you know, more traditional elements to it, traditional rituals, hymns, eulogies, scripture was read, but at the end, there was also the eye of the tiger. It was fantastic. On Tuesday was my daughter Emily's birthday, and you may remember Tuesday. It was that absolutely gorgeous day, and Emily uh, was disappointed that she couldn't celebrate her birthday with a normal birthday party of an 11-year-old, she was a little bummed about it. At one point on Tuesday, we get a, f- a phone call from her grandmother, Kelly's mom, Mary Jo, and she said to us, get everyone together and go onto your front porch. So we did, all seven of us. I've got all these children. And we, we get on the front porch, and not too long after we're there, the car pulls up uh, park, they park on the street, and out of the car comes Grandma and Grandpa and Uncle Matt and Aunt Ellen and the dog. Uh, Matt and Ellen are staying with Doug and Mary Jo right now. They're wearing these ridiculous hats, ridiculous hats, and they go on our front lawn, and they have a, a boombox or something, and they, they hit play, and it's it's this weird rendition of Happy Birthday that's kind of pop and and um, you know, got a beat to it, and they start singing and dancing. It was ridiculous. It was beautiful. The only one of them who had any rhythm was on Ellen. Matt, if you're watching, you were all over the place. Um, but Emily, of course, was filled with a smile ear to ear. And this prompted my kids, after they were done with their uh, display, they went inside, they grabbed their violins and their cello, and they they performed a little porch concert. It really was an amazing afternoon. At times of loss and tragedy, when, as my friend Lois Lindblom has said, when what is normal and what nourishes us is stripped away from us. It is things like the eye of the tiger and dancing on the lawn and playing a concert on the front porch that become so important to us. It's true. There's a detail in the story that Brian read for us um, a few minutes ago and it has, it has stuck with me all week. It's what some might say shimmered for me in the text. And it's what the women brought with them, the spices. I shared this with some of you this week. That detail has been with me all week. They brought these spices with them. The book of Luke tells us that they, they prepared these spices after Jesus was crucified and died. They went and prepared these spices, but because the Sabbath was approaching, on Saturday they, they rested. They had the spices ready to go so that on Saturday they could observe the Sabbath. And so on Sunday they took the spices and they went to the tomb. Now spices in the days of Jesus, when a, when a Jewish per- person died, spices were used to treat the body and to help um, alleviate the smell of a body that would be decomposing. And that's what the kind of practical purpose of the spices was. You would treat the body for its, its decomposition in the tomb. But when loss occurs, when normal is, is stripped away from us, the rituals and the rites and the traditions, they become much deeper than the practical purpose that they serve. This is true. And, and I've been thinking about these women this week. Because the fu- Jesus' funeral was missing very important rituals that were very common in his day. For example, in the days of Jesus, when a Jewish person died... It was very common for the family to treat the body and then to place the body of their loved one in a family tomb where there might be remains of other family members. This is where, for example, in the Old Testament where there'll be talk about and then they rested with their ancestors. This was a family event and a family ritual. But the Gospels tell us that Jesus was placed in a tomb that was new. No one had used it before. It's the farthest thing you can think of from a family tomb. This was denied his family. Also, it was customary in the time of Jesus when a Jewish person died that the family would lovingly take the body of their loved one and um, proceed to the tomb. And there would be a procession of family and friends and mourners who, in a very public way, would express their grief, express their loss, and then they would place the body tenderly into the tomb. There may be eulogies, some reflections, and then they would proceed back to the house. And again, it would be this public display of grief and loss and mourning. Once again, there's nothing in the Gospels that something like that occurred. The best we have is that the women from afar sort of follow as Jesus' body is taken to the tomb, just so they know where it is. And so, The family of Jesus, his friends, these women, they were not allowed these traditional ways to grieve the loss of their Lord and their friend. And so to me, these spices become much more than simply a means to treat a body. I think the spices became for these women a way to honor Jesus one last time to do something, just offer some act of love. What can I do? I mean, isn't this what we do? Uh, if a friend of ours loses a spouse, can I bring a casserole? What can I do when there is a pandemic? Can I just can I make some masks? What can I do? I think the spices were also for these women a symbol of closure. They would treat the body and it would be this act that symbolically brought an end and literally brought an end to their time with Jesus. And then they would move into, as difficult as it would be, living a new normal. The spices also brought a sweet aroma on their journey in grief. A reminder that life still can be sweet, even in the midst of painful loss. And so as they walked to the tomb, expecting to see the body of Jesus, there was a sweet smell in the air because that's what spices do. I'm reminded of this great story that is told by uh, preacher Fred Craddock. He has he passed uh, away now. But he told the story about um, preaching at this, he was a guest preacher at this church one time, and after service, he was invited by this, um, this widow, this woman of the church, over for lunch. And so he, he's heading over to her house, and he gets there, and she greets him, and she says to him, Pastor Fred, thank you for joining me for lunch. And uh, why don't you go in the den? You can read the paper or watch a program on the television, and, and I'll prepare our lunch together. And Fred goes into the, the den and he picks up the paper to read. But then he, out of the corner of his eye, he sees what the woman is doing. And uh, he, he gets up and he joins her in the dining room because he sees that she's pulling out her best china and pulling out the fancy glass stemware. And he says to her, he says, "Oh no, 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 no! Don't, don't, don't go to all this trouble uh, right now." I listen. At home, we eat lunch in the kitchen. She ignores him and she continues to, you know, get the linen napkins. And he tries again. Honestly, honestly, at at, at home we eat lunch in the kitchen. Again, she ignores him. She goes in. She grabs the food, and um, she'd prepared some tea, and she's setting it all up and just about ready to start. And he tries one more time. (laughs) You don't need to do all this. At home, we eat lunch in the kitchen. Now, Fred Craddock is from Tennessee, but that sounds very Minnesotan to me. The woman turns to Fred, and she says, Would you be quiet already and sit down? So he sits down. And she says to him, Pastor Fred, do you have any idea what it's like to prepare lunch for one? And so they sat there and they ate the simple lunch off beautiful china plates, drank water out of fancy stem glassware, and dab the corners of their mouth with these wonderful linen napkins. Spices. Who among us these days in this pandemic aren't doing a little more baking or on our walks walking a little longer, waving at strangers when we used to just not, or making a little more phone calls than usual. Certainly, it, we're not doing these things only because we're hungry for baked goods, or we need a little more steps on our Fitbit, or it's just been a long time, so I think I'll reach out. No, these things have become to us spices right now. They are spices. So the women uh, arrive. And they look, and the stone that covered the entrance is rolled away. That's what they find. And they walk into the tomb, expecting to find Jesus, but what do they find? They find there's nobody in there at all. And Luke says, they were perplexed. Yeah. Perplexed is right. Astonished, scared, confused. I find it interesting. When God stooped down, hovered over Jesus' body, breathed into Jesus new life, new resurrection life, the first response that we get from the disciples is not joy and exuberance, at least not at first. At first, It's fear, confusion, perplexion. And and I think this can be instructive for us. For when we find ourselves in these places, scared, afraid, confused, perplexed, we just might be on the verge of a miracle. We just might be on the cusp of witnessing the power of God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so they're in the tomb and they're perplexed. And as they stood there, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified. They bowed down with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that Jesus had said this, and they run back to tell the disciples. What a turn of events. It's incredible. And I, I think at some point, at some point, it must dawn on the women. We don't need these spices anymore. At some point, they must realize that, that these spices that had been a sweet aroma in their pain, these spices that gave them something to do in the middle of tragedy, these spices that allowed them to honor what was lost, we don't need them. Because He's risen. He's risen. I wonder what that was like. <sighs> Look, in life, we need spices. We do. Because death is a reality. We lose people we love. And it, it stinks. It's hard. And so we need things to remind us that there is still sweet aroma in life even in the midst of difficulty. We need spices right now, don't we? Death is right in our face. We're living in the middle of a pandemic. And so we need these things to allow us to help, to allow us to show honor. We need spices that will remind us that we have people in our lives who will wear ridiculous hats and dance on our front lawn to let us know we are loved. And thank God that we have spices in our lives. Praise the Lord. But hear this, hear this. The resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of a promise. One day, we will not need spices anymore. Because all that we lost will be redeemed. All that is wrong will be made right. And this will be a work of God. all because of the resurrection of Jesus. I want to say right now, if you have never received Jesus in your life, would you receive him? It's, it, it's, it's, it's a way of saying, uh, would you let God in? Might you let God be a part of your life? might you pray, Jesus, you're alive and you're the Lord of creation and I give my life to you. If you've never done that, this morning you can. And uh, can't do an altar call here, although those who are here, if you want to do a little altar call, you certainly are welcome. But wherever, whenever, Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus speaks to us and beckons us and, 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 and is knocking on the door. That's an altar. And I want to invite you this morning to receive Jesus, to follow Him, because He is alive and His Spirit has been given to us. Might you receive Jesus today? And I'm going to give you that opportunity when we pray here in just a moment. But I'm going to conclude and finish this up with a One last story. I've told it before, but I'm going to tell it again. When my daughter Kate was, I don't know, four, maybe five years old, she asked me, Daddy, why why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? And I said, well, baby girl, There's evil and there's powers that hurt us and that can, can kill us. And God sent Jesus to fight those powers, to fight them. And so he did. He came and he fought for us. But those powers killed him. And that's why he died. And she got very sad. And I said, uh, but guess what? God came into the place where his body was. And God gave Jesus new life. And he rose from the grave. And he's alive. And the whole thing, that's how he beat these powers. He won. And I will never forget what Kate did at that moment. She crawled up on my bed. She started jumping up and down on the bed. And she started shouting Hooray, hooray! Jesus won! Jesus won! Indeed, he did. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. (sighs) Heavenly Father, if there's anyone listening who can hear my voice right now, who who you, God, your spirit is knocking on the door of their heart. You're asking them to let you in. Lord, I pray that they would know they're at the altar, your altar, and that they can let you in. They can follow Jesus. And if you're hearing me right now and you've never let Jesus into your life, I invite you to pray with me. You can repeat after me out loud. You can repeat after me in your mind. Jesus, I I, I know now you are the king of creation. And you invite me into relationship with God. You offer forgiveness. You offer abundant life. And you offer resurrection life beyond death. And Jesus, come into my life. I give you my life. God, now would you please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, empower us to live for your kingdom and to live empowered by your Spirit to honor Jesus. I pray these things in his name. Amen.